0: Zoe thank you so much uh, what a lovely evening to be here welcome if you're joining us online as well great to have your company. Uh, now one of the images Jesus uses for us his followers is of the light of the world we are the light of the world and he tells us that what we shouldn't do is put our light under a, a bushel or a bowl yeah um, and uh And say I've brought a bowl and a a light which is one of our gloriously it won't burn the church down uh, candles which we've had since the curate tried to burn the church down Um, and uh, here's a bowl over the light and you can see the problem can't you the bowl can snuff out the light but in our verse today in John chapter 8 Jesus says I am the light of the world and what you need to understand most crucially is that he's not talking about something that can be put under a bowl. <laughs> and that's what I want to, to grab our attention with to start with. Uh, let me begin by reading you from John chapter 1, really famous passage. You'll have heard it here at Christmas. And if you know the words, feel free to join it. You know, like how you read to a kid and they join in with a final word of a sentence. If you want to join in with any words, feel free. So in the beginning was the, and the word was with, And the word was God. He was with God in the, through him all things were. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light. That's John the Baptist. Children born not of natural descent, nor a husband's decision, or a human decision, but born of God. And they're the key words there, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. And I don't know about you, probably you've been tuning into the TV, social media, uh, aware of darkness in the world at the moment in an acute way, yeah? Uh, the light shines in the Darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. And that's partly my testimony this week. But what is this light that Jesus brings? Is it the light that he gives to to little Richard driving uh, to the Ukraine border and back? Is it the light that he gives to Zoe leading the service? Is it the light he gives to all of us to witness in our places? A glorious light, a light that stops darkness winning, but a light that can nevertheless be snuffed out. And the answer is no, it's not even comparable to that. So here we are. You're in John chapter 8 and uh, and it has this really strange thing because in John chapter 8 verse 12 uh, he just sort of seems to speak in a way that you just can't understand why he's saying this. Uh, do you remember when we looked at I am the bread last last week? It was really obvious, wasn't it? Why? Because he would just turned five loaves and a couple of fish or the other way around, can't remember, into enough food to feed 5000 blokes, probably even more women, probably even more children. And so when he says, I am the bread of life, you're like, yeah. So why is he here saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And the answer is, and here's our our slide, Angie. uh, The answer is, he is comparing himself, not to a candle, uh, but to something far more powerful. Something far more powerful. Let's flick to that see this is uh this is the sun it's a, a gift from nasa of the sun and the sun accounts for 99.86 percent of the mass of the solar system uh, one million earths could fit into the sun uh, the sun creates by nuclear fission it's almost a perfect sphere incredibly enough and without the sun's heat and light the earth would be a lifeless ball of ice coated rock <laughs> How do I know he's comparing himself to the sun? It's because back in a a chapter before, we're at the Feast of Tabernacles and Jesus is speaking at something called the Feast of Tabernacles. And if you've ever been to new wine, it wasn't like new wine at all. It was even better. The party went on all night long. They basically party until dawn. And when it gets to dawn, what happens is that, um, (laughs) when it gets to dawn, what happens is the priests get up and put their back to the rising sun and bow towards the temple and proclaim our God, Yahweh, is more powerful and more glorious than the sun. He is, Yahweh, is the light of the world. God is the light of the world. So if you think about the sun, the sun is almost, it is obviously the light of the world, isn't it? If you say, what is the light of the world? It's that big ball in the sky that we've just read about. This phenomenal ball, the thing that causes photosynthesis to work. Some of you are studying photosynthesis. I can't remember how it works, but it's the thing that sustains all life. Without it, we would have an ice ball of rock. And the priests in the Jewish time would put their backs to it and bow towards the temple because their ancestors had worshipped the sun and they knew that they shouldn't worship created things. They should worship the sun, moon and star maker, not the sun, moon and stars. And so they bowed and worshipped it. And in the middle of this festival, Jesus gets up and says, I'm the light of the world. He might as well say, I'm God. And in fact, by the end of the chapter, he's talking to the Jews who are really upset with him for claiming to be the light of the world. And he says these words, he says, Before Abraham was, I am, which is the name for Yahweh, which is the name for God. I am. See, when we're talking about Jesus, we're not talking about a snuff-outable candle. In uh, the book of Daniel, there's this extraordinary image which I think helps us with the global events we're going on with now. Do you remember Daniel, Lion's Den, that story? Yeah, everyone remember Daniel? He was a 14-year-old boy, uh, sort of middle-upper class from, from Israel, captured and taken into Babylon, given a fantastic sort of boarding school education, even tried the vegetarian thing. Uh, it worked for him. He ended up strapping handsome, could interpret dreams. Um, doesn't always work for people, but, you know, it did, did for him. And uh, he, he made his way through. And at the end of his life, having prayed for his whole life, he had a vision and in the vision, uh, he, he saw a statue which represented all the empires of the world that were going to come up over the next few years. And there was the Babylonian Empire, there was the Mede Empire, there was the Persian Empire, there was the Greek Empire, and there was the Roman Empire. And he's prophesying this in the 6th century BC, getting history right down through the ages. It's extraordinary. And all of these empires, like Putin's Russia, fall one after another. But what causes them to fall? A tiny little stone which hits the bottom of the statue, the Roman Empire. And that stone then gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And and that stone is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And of the increase of his government, Isaiah says, there is no end. See, his kingdom, it gets established. His kingdom is not like a candle that can be snuffed out by a Russian uh, maverick, horrible despot his kingdom is more bright than the sun and the only reason that we're not being blinded by his power and might right now is he's restraining himself because when he comes in glory every knee russian ukrainian english welsh whatever is going to bow before him and we're going to be dazzled by him there's a glimpse of that in the acts of the apostles a man who was persecuting the church of god He's traveling along on a donkey to go and persecute people. And then suddenly from the sky, he's blinded by a light. Not by a candle, not by a little thing you could snuff out, but by a clipping huge light. It blinds him. He's literally blind for three days as a result of encountering Jesus in the sky. And when Jesus returns in glory to judge the living and the dead, every eye will see him. I mean, every eye will see him. I've often wondered how that can be in a spherical world. <laughs> You know, how much light is that going to be that is going to sort of eclipse the entire spherical planet? I wondered if it was Sky TV that was the answer to that, but I don't think it is. I think it's far more dazzling than that. We're going to be blinded by his incredible love and his light. And it's going to be our choice. You see, light actually does two things to you, doesn't it? We were driving along the other day, and the the sun uh, was rising, and you're like, This is the moment where I wish I hadn't left my sunglasses (laughs) behind (laughs) because I'm I'm driving into sun and it's dazzling. It's quite hard to see. Driving backwards the other way, it was setting in my my side mirror. And again, I was dazzled every time I tried to look to see if I could overtake in my 100-kilometer-an-hour restricted mini, but I was dazzled. Just the sun itself can dazzle me. But Jesus doesn't compare himself to the sun He says he's far bigger and brighter and more amazing than the sun. The sun's just one ball in the universe. Jesus sustains the entire universe by his powerful word. That's my savior. I wonder if you know him. That's who we put our trust in. That's the king of the universe. So uh, Dan and I got on this uh, journey and we traveled. uh, Let's let's have a slide to give an image. Uh, We traveled into the uh, the sunrise and sunset from uh, All Saints Hamworth. That's the Reverend Sergei, uh, a Ukrainian uh, Anglican priest here in London. And that's his church where they collected uh, amazing collection of supplies and goods. If we, if we flick on, um, uh, th- this is the, uh, the destination that we went on, a 1,300-mile journey each way. And, uh, and there is just some of the at the forest right on the border um, of Ukraine, Poland. Um, When we just finished recording the BBC interview, the snow started to fall. I mean, it's it's hard to describe how cold I was getting out of the van for 20 minutes. Um, The translator we had with us had stood for something like 30 hours waiting to get over the border. Children, uh, everyone going over the border are basically women and children. The men are all required to stay back and fight unless they're over 70 something. So you've got women, children standing there in freezing, freezing cold conditions. Um, let's flick it, flick another one on. And, uh, and these are the places that we managed to drop things off at. There's a couple of the destinations. If you, if you click it, you'll, uh, you'll get a bit of a moving image there. Um, so the one on the right was the, the second drop off, um, well, the final drop off place, um, which was an amazing center that the Polish uh, government had organized, it was uh, a gymnasium that had been converted and the first one's right on the border and uh, just as people were uh, coming over. Actually the night before, um, you'll, see, you'll see on the next slide in a minute, was our f- very first drop-off uh, was with some Ukrainian paratroopers in a, in a sort of hidden warehouse and they were taking the stuff over the border uh, the next day so we dropped off a huge amount with them and uh, you'll, you'll see that in a moment on a sort of TikTok image. Uh, that's the one on the left there if you click that, Angie. Um, and that's, that's sort of a fast time version of uh, unloading the van. And then we went to the supermarket on the right, uh, filled up again. Uh, that's our, our interpreter, Vicka, helping out there um, and delivered to the three locations. And then we filled up the van with uh, 12 adults, uh, three children and a cat and, uh, and made our way across uh, Europe. Um, dropping off in Warsaw, Hanover, Berlin, and Eindhoven before catching the, the ferry back as well. And I, I think the thing that struck me from this uh, more than anything was my traveling companions, Dan and Vicar, and just how amazed by God they were on the journey. It was really extraordinary. Dan was a businessman in, in Kiev, and, uh, you know, he was invested in six different businesses. He had 28 employees. All of them are closed. So he, on one level, lost everything. His house is, you know, could be being ransacked by Russians next week for, for all he knows, hopefully not. Uh, but it could be. And uh, yet there's this sort of sense that maybe, maybe this is an opportunity for, for God to work in my life. People along the way going, isn't it incredible how people are helping us? Isn't it incredible what's going on? The Polish whole nation, just extraordinary. Extraordinary, generous and kind and receiving. Um, Just heartwarming. And what is it that we're sort of seeing? I think what we're seeing is it's not so much that we all have this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, That is just ours. But what we're getting is a reflection in the middle of the darkness. Not of the sun, like the moon does, but of actually God's glory reflecting through humankind. And little people are finding themselves touched and moved to respond to God's grace in the middle of a, of a really, really difficult situation. And so I'd love to just play you, if I can, on, on that slide you've just got up, Angie. Um, I'd love to play you this little video of uh, Dan talking on the ferry on the way home. Um, we'll need the sound on for this. Um, okay, I was gonna wait for this
1: lady to just, stop talking. Just pa- pa- talking pause it a sec, pause it a sec. So,
0: um, and um, so, so we've got onto the ferry and we, we we missed our ferry because we were dropping off people in places where they wanted extra extra help and, um, and uh, at the end of these days this is what Dan had to say about the trip and the journey
1: well first of all we are on the Calais ferry uh, going home so this is actually the last update we uh, splashed out for the upper class cabin because it's 15 quid for lunch downstairs, and you get lunch free here for 15 quid. Um, and coffee and tea and really comfy couches to sleep on in a minute. That's going to be my bed. Um, okay, so I'm going to do a quick plug. I um, I plugged Rich's Church on the radio, and on the television. Uh, I plugged our trip on the radio and on the television. Uh, now I'm going to plug. God on Facebook, which people who know me will find that quite weird. But, because um, I kind of keep religion and ideally politics out of Facebook. But, I have to say, um, this trip has been amazing, exhausting, and very strange. Um, it's almost like we had an inspector gadget. You know James Bond films? James Bond always gets the gadgets he needs, exactly take on the bad guy um, so I needed a driver and a minibus and that was that showed up on very short notice in the form of rich and a minibus um, and then we needed a uh, we started driving and we, we broke down I'm gonna try and go through this sequence of weird um, so I got on the train in Portsmouth and my train was late but the conductor showed me how to get cheap tickets and get off at Woking and get a taxi to Rich's house for less than the price of train fare to Waterloo. We arrived at Rich's house having not seen him for 26 years. We arrived at exactly the same time. He was turning in as I was getting out of the taxi. Um, And we were both 20 minutes late. So it wasn't like we arrived at the allotted time. Um, Everything went smoothly until our ad blue disaster. Um, which those who have been following along will be familiar with. Um, But what did we need then? We needed a a mechanic. We had no way to get one. So we ran into an English-speaking gas station attendant in the middle of Belgium who looked the least likely English-speaking person uh, in the world. And yet he got us uh, a Wesley who came out on 20 minutes' notice, RAC, take note, um, and got our bus working, not properly, but just enough that we could get to the Peugeot Garage in Warsaw I know, Cracker, who told us it would take three days possibly for more to fix uh, until our translator showed up with a guy she knew who spoke Polish and suddenly two hours later we were on the road in a, in a fixed van and then we went to the border and got rid of just the right amount of stuff that's gone into the perfect place for it we even had a walkie talkie, the guy literally said to me we need a walkie talkie and we had one in the car, so every little step of the way just what we needed, it was like James Bond was script writers were writing the script for our film and then we do that, we go there we get people, we start bringing them back um, towards Ukraine, and uh, towards uh, the west rather and again along the way, every little thing uh, that needed to happen we never ran out of petrol we never uh we never came close uh when we um uh, when we wanted to give people help they accepted it reluctantly and gratefully but it was always just the right amount of help there was a teddy bear for of a little girl or just enough money um to get a, a room for the night or thing. and then another example we were going to a hotel and um, The girl was feeling unwell, she needed to stay the night in Berlin with a friend, and they didn't have a COVID certificate, and Rich uh, prayed, uh, asked his wife to pray, that somehow um, we would be able to get this girl the room that she needed, the shelter that she needed for the night, and uh, a minute and a half later I realised I had a COVID certificate written in Cyrillic, and uh, as I said to Rich, you want want to talk about miracles, uh, Germans bending the law. Um, miracle. But we got this golden room for the night. And, and every step along the way, we, we came back, we got the ferry, we missed our boat, we're on the ferry now. Every step of the way. Um, and I think there's something in the scripture that says he shall provide. So anyway, I just I don't know, I just feel like it's worth putting out that we always hear from people of devout faith and awesomeness that God does amazing things. Um, I'm just a regular guy who decided to take some food for people in his country to the border where they were crossing, that I crossed over and I didn't really uh, expect that everything I needed would be provided for me, and it's humbling, it really is, and it makes me think. So, that's my witness, that's my testimony, um, take it for what it is, it's completely true, there's photos and, uh, and a man of the cloth to validate it along the way. But that's my testimony, everything I've needed on the trip has been provided, um i'm going back before that when i was getting out of Ukraine every step of the way we were one step ahead of Putin the entire way passports visas travel plans everything uh, maybe there's something in this think about it
0: It's is a great, I think Dan's watching this evening as well, so um, big, big hi, uh, Dan, Tatiana. Um, you know, when Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, there was someone around in his age who thought he was the light of the world as well. Caesar thought he was the sun, the one who was worthy of worship. What happened to Caesar? The little rock gradually destroyed him. Every culture, empire comes and goes. In fact, our fading culture that we're in now is going to come and go as well but the word of the lord endures forever jesus remains the light of the world forever not a little candle but something far mightier than the sun that's who you put your faith in that's who you put your trust in Just one final slide uh, if if i may uh, just the that sort of thing of how can you get involved um You may have picked up this wonderful new initiative called the Global Sanctuary Foundation, uh, which has uh, Chris Candia's name all over it, and Chris uh, is the initiator of all new things in the UK. Um, uh, This particular campaign is to help um, get uh, Ukrainians into the country. Um, And uh, that's where you can pledge to say, I've got a room and I'd love for someone to come and live with me. And there's already 10,000 churches signed up, so don't feel too guilty, Um, there's more churches signed up than the home office will allow in already um, but it's it's nice to communicate to the home office that we actually do want people um, and to communicate to the Ukrainians as well that you loved you know my cousin in Spain she's already got a Ukrainian living with her in her flat um it'd be good to communicate to our government that we want to be generous um and on the right that's uh, SOMA sharing of ministries abroad and actually one of the most amusing things of the trip was um uh, where we put out a prayer request to the Soma database, and there was almost immediately an email back from this extraordinary bishop from the Democratic Republic of Congo, which you may or may not not know about. It's not in the news at all, but it's been through horrific war, and I'm um, just I won't go into the details, but you know just every horror of war. So he's a displaced person in North Uganda at the moment, uh, and his people are there, but they haven't got what they need to stay there, so they're going to go back into the war zone where they're. You know they're really really in danger um, so our next trip is going to be to North Uganda to try and meet with him and others in these these camps and there's others from South Sudan who've come from there as well um, so we want to try and amplify the voices of those who are forgotten in the world as well as those who are in the the international news at the moment um, again in Nabil all of the Syrians coming into Lebanon um, So let's not forget the people that the the news moves past. (laughs) But amazingly, because he is the light of the world, our little lights do shine when they reflect his glory. It's not our own light that we're shining out, but it's his light that we're reflecting. And when we gaze on him, that goes back to people and it transforms lives like it's transformed Dan's life over these last few days. God bless you. Thank you for, for listening. Amy never cut me off. I gave her permission to cut me off. So thank you for bearing with me. And uh, Zoe, back to you.